Tonight we are pushing pause on our Here For It series on the church, and we're doing that to preach a two-part vision series this week and next week. So thanks for being here tonight. Hope you'll join us again next week when we're going to have our friend Mr. Andrew Rogers all the way from San Diego here preaching, not on a screen, but actually in the building. And if international travel seems insane to you like it does to me right now, yes, he's going to be flying across the world to join us and to be sharing with us in the second part of the series, which I think will be really fun. And then the week after that, on the 21st, Mr. Tabani Latuli, who was just on stage sharing, is going to be preaching his first sermon here in this building. That's really good to hear. If people were booing Tabani, then you'd be in big trouble for the 21st. But I also wanted to share, Tabani's going to be on staff at Harbor City next year as a pastoral intern. And some more excitement there. If there were booze there, we'd be even more worried about that. Very cool. Very cool. But basically, he's going to be spending a year working in the church half-time, working on campus half-time, doing a bunch of ministry, learning, growing, preparing, and just trying to discern what God is doing and whether actually there's a call on his life to be a pastor and to serve full-time in the church I think is very, very cool. So if you don't know him, get to know him, pray for him. I think the next few weeks should be a lot of fun. But for us tonight, as we get into the series, Looking Ahead, we are coming into this after the pauses of COVID and lockdown over the last two years-ish. I don't know, everyone I speak to, it feels like it's just blurred, this one block year of craziness and trauma. And I think what happened is at the start of 2020, People were all about vision. That really cheesy, low-lying fruit of 2020 vision was out there with businesses and churches. Everyone saying, we know what's coming. We're excited for this. And then March hit, and everything just went crazy for the last 20 months. And I think because of that, we haven't looked ahead much. We haven't talked future. We haven't talked vision. We've talked more about living as disciples through the madness of the last 20 months. We've talked about prayer and endurance and faith and God's sovereignty and weathering the trials and storms of life. So tonight and next week, I feel excited to share a little bit about what is next, what is coming up, what we can look forward to, the changes we believe that God is bringing and what he's speaking to us as a church so that we can prepare and process and get ready and get excited for those things. So if you've got a Bible, can I ask you to turn to Acts chapter 13? This is a really incredible passage on how we hear God, not just individually, but as a community of people, and how we respond to change, to the new, to what God is doing, to what He is saying together. Could I ask you to bring my, just pass my water forward? Sorry, I've got a little bit of dry mouth over here. As Acts 13 goes up on the screen. Verse 1 says this. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. These were the leaders, it seems, of this church in Antioch. Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. This is the guy who discipled Paul. Absolutely incredible man. He took Paul under his wing when everyone was worried about him as this terrorist killing Christians. Barnabas took Paul under his wing, invested into him, spent time with him, risked with him. Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, the royal family, and Saul, who is Paul the Apostle, who we know so well. As they, and we're not exactly sure of who they were, but probably that leadership group, maybe a few others, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And again, we don't know how long they were fasting for, what that fast looked like, but as they were doing that, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, now I don't feel very comfortable with that. 
Now, when the Bible says it, it's fine. The Holy Spirit said we can say, for sure, that was God. For me, I feel much more comfortable saying, I believe the Holy Spirit is saying. I believe God is saying. But when it's Scripture, we can trust this is the word of the Lord 100%. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. I'm always a bit wary of churches with vision statements because vision is such a beautiful thing, but it's easy to just put something up on a screen. Easy to put a phrase up on a screen or a number or a project or an idea and say, that's what we're going for. And if that's a man-made thumbsuck kind of just good idea, then that's okay. But what we see here is a group of people that are spirit-led, God-seeking, Jesus-following people that are together gathering around and praying and saying, God, what are you saying and doing? We want that. And then putting that up as where they are going, their goal to head after. And in Acts 13, we see a church that is seeking God together, that is hearing from Him, that is united and together is responding to what He's saying and doing. What we don't get in this passage is clarity. We don't get clarity on how this happened. I wish we did. We don't get clarity on what this process looked like at all. We just know it happened that the Spirit spoke as they sought Him. And this is a very interesting church. I don't know, like, I'm a nerd, so I'll go and study the church in Jerusalem, the church in Antioch, the church here, the church there. This church in Antioch is so unique. In Jerusalem, the first church in the history of the world is planted. You can read that in Acts 2. And it's a church made up of old Jewish people. They had been Jews, they'd grown up in the way of Judaism, and now they were following Jesus. But here in Antioch, what's happened is there's been persecution. The church has been scattered. People have gone everywhere. And this church in Antioch has started up because of a bunch of believers who've just started to share about Jesus there and then gathered together for what he's wanting to do. And they were very, very diverse. This is a very diverse church. In fact, this is a group of people, Gentiles, not Jews, from every kind of social strata, different economic backgrounds, different ethnicities and races, all gathered together as one community of people for the purpose of God. And that's beautiful. Our world would say that cannot happen. You can't have that group of people living as family on mission together. You know, we we separate. We do things on our own because it's more comfortable. It's more easy. But here, even in that leadership group, we see a bunch of people from different races, ethnicities, areas. We've got people from Europe, from Africa, and the Middle East just in that group of leaders. Those seven. It's incredible. And here we see what the world would divide and separate Jesus, through his gospel and blood, has brought together as brothers and sisters on the same journey. It's absolutely beautiful. And this diverse group of believers is gathered together to worship and pray and fast and seek God for his will so they can follow him together. And he does it. The Spirit of God speaks to them and gives them vision, direction, and clarity about what is next. Verse 2, so profound. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, as we read this very specific word, again, I just want to highlight this. We don't know how the Holy Spirit spoke that. So I want to kind of throw a few scenarios at you. Maybe they were in a room like this, seven of them or 10 or 20 or 40, however many it was, and they're praying and fasting. And one of them says, guys, I actually think the Lord is speaking to me. I think I've got a word. I think what is happening is God is wanting to set apart Paul and Barnabas for different work out there. And they all go, yeah, that seems right. 
and they do it, and they send them off. Or maybe it wasn't one person, maybe it was three or four. You know, someone says, I believe God is speaking about beyond Antioch. I believe he's speaking about other cities, villages, and towns. Uh, Someone else says, you know what, I think Paul and Barnabas are highlighted to me. I think God is doing something with them. Could have looked like that. Maybe people individually are going up to them after the time of fasting and saying, God just highlighted you. I think he's sending you away from Antioch. Or maybe Paul and Barnabas are having a beer and a burger afterwards. They're saying, that fast was rough. That was tough. But God is stirring up these things in my heart. And as they speak about mission and the cities of the world, all of a sudden what happens is they go, this isn't just a good idea. This is what God is doing with the two of us. And they go and they share it with the church and it's affirmed. They go, this is right. This is what God's doing. We want to send you out for the purposes of God. We don't know exactly how the Spirit spoke, and we don't know exactly what the timeline was like from that first sense of God speaking to when they left. I'm pretty sure it wasn't the same day. I'm pretty sure it took a few weeks or months for them to get everything ready, get prepared, go out and do what God had called them to do. And what I love about this text, but so many texts in the Bible, is this is descriptive, not prescriptive. It describes how we hear from God and respond to Him. It doesn't prescribe, it's got to be this step, this step, this step, this step, this is how it looks. There's a lot of detail that we don't know here, but we know the Spirit of God is speaking somehow. And this word meant change for Paul and Barnabas, and it meant change for the church at Antioch. And change is an interesting thing. Some of you in this room love change. Some of you in this room don't. I can see some of your faces as I'm saying this. Change, for some, means excitement. It's new, it's fun, it's going to be different. We can't wait. For others, change is scary. It's unknown, it's uncertain. After the last 20 months, change is a crazy thing to even think about. Because we know the old. We're familiar with the old. We're used to the old. It's, it's what we know. The new is something we don't know. We don't know it yet. So any change can feel like a form of loss. Because we're giving up what's certain what's uncertain. Even if the future is better, even if the new is better than the old, we don't know what the new is going to look like, but we know what the old looks like. So sometimes we can take hold of it in comfort and say, that was good. Those were the good old days. But here we see the Spirit is speaking, and He's doing a new thing with Paul, and a new thing with Barnabas, and a new thing in this church community in Antioch. So how do we know that the Spirit is speaking to us? I think that's a really good question to ask. It's something we need to think through in terms of what the Bible says, not just our own gut, because what you call the Spirit speaking could just be your feelings, could just be your thoughts, could just be what you ate last night or the fact you haven't slept too long or too well. The Spirit can be speaking, or it could just be something very, very natural. A tweet I read a few years ago summed this up so well. Five big ideas. How do we know that God is speaking to us? The first thing is Scripture. God has already spoken to us through his word, through the scriptures. So we already know God's will. We can look at the word of God and say, okay, we know all of these things about what God has said and is saying. The second thing is the spirit. But because I'm talking about that, it's harder to define. But the spirit speaks to us. And we want to respond to his leading and guiding and prompting and get used to more and more discerning his voice and his way. The third thing is common sense. Now, sometimes you've got the people who are big spirit people, not big fans of common sense. Other people, big common sense people, not big fans of the spirit. But it's both and. The greatest command in the scriptures is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. And those aren't compartmentalized ideas. The ideas that holistically we love God. 
And God speaks to us holistically. He speaks to us in different ways so we know his voice. God has given us a brain. He's given us logic. He's given us rations so we can think things through as we try and make decisions. The third thing is God's providence or special signs. How many of you, you've been waiting to make a decision, and in that time of decision-making and seeking God about something, something happens which gives you some kind of guidance? Could be a chance encounter with a friend. Could be something you watch on TV. I've had that before. I'm watching a movie or a show, and a sentence just jumps out at me. And I'm like, this is what God's saying. This is a confirmation. Could be a book you're reading. It could be a dream you have. It could be a situation you go into. But there's a sign. God, in His providence, shows you the way forward. Or, and I think this is very important, God speaks through community. We're a very independent culture. We don't like to be told what to do. We like to make our own choices. We don't like to be called out on stuff. But in community, with leaders, with friends, with family who know us, who know God, who are able to kind of guide us and say, this seems right to the Holy Spirit in us, we actually are comforted as people can say, that seems right, that doesn't make sense to me, and to guide us. In the last 20 months, I think we've had a lot of time of contemplation and reflection. And hopefully for us as followers of Jesus, it's been a time of prayer, a time of seeking God, a time of seeking His will, wanting to know what He is doing with us individually. Last year in April, I got quite a few prophetic words actually, but I got a word in April last year from my friend James Lennox, which was very simple, probably three lines in total. But he said, Grant, You're going into a time of refining and defining. And to you, if you got that word, that might mean nothing to you. But to me, it was a really big word. To me, I think I knew in that moment that God was speaking to me about the season ahead. I knew that God was going to be taking me through some pruning. And I've preached on that and spoken about how God has trimmed things off of me over the last 20 months. And how almost every part of our lives has felt pruned by God. Health, friendships, church, all sorts of areas. Financially, there have just been changes and challenges that we faced. And maybe you feel the same thing, the pruning of God. Felt God work on my character, work on my faith and my trust in Him. Expose stuff in my heart. And define more clearly for me who I am and what the next season of life and ministry looks like for Shell and I. And tonight I wanted to share with you guys... The part of that process has been that Shell and I have felt that our time at Harbor City leading here is coming to an end. It's really big news. Really big for us. Maybe shocking or surprising for some of you. Hopefully you feel a little bit sad as you hear that. But hopefully you understand too. I know this is big news for our church, but I believe we're in an Acts 13 moment where the Spirit of God is sending and is bringing change and newness and difference to our church and our lives. I think for some of you, you might feel shocked, but I've been amazed over the last six months how many people have come up to me and have said something to me like, Grant, what is God doing with you and Michelle? feels like something new is happening with you guys or that there's a new season ahead for you. What is that? And it's been a very strange thing as it seemed to some people like change is coming. Maybe you felt that. Maybe you felt that for the church. Maybe you felt that for us. But I believe God has gotten our attention over the last while during a reflective time and spoken to us clearly about what is next for us and the church. Let me share a little bit of that story with you before we get into the detail. Just over a year ago, it was the 3rd of September, I went to a meeting at Glenridge Church. 
Uh, I don't know if you remember, we met there for about two and a half months last year, smaller church in a massive cavernous hall. It was really cool. I'm sure you guys remember the good old days there. But I was going there, and on that day, God started a process in Shell and I. And I want to say that because I want you to see that this process has not moved fast. It was about 14 months ago, God started stirring something. Since then, we've been praying and thinking and talking this through with friends. In the morning, I had this 9 a.m. meeting at Glenridge, and I was meeting with two of their elders to talk about the space. And one of them comes out from his time of prayer, and he knows me, but not super well. And he says to me, Grant, I believe that God is moving you guys to San Diego. And I just laughed because of our connections there and the uprooting that we felt in our lives over the last while. This guy's a kind of respected prophetic voice, someone I've seen prophesy very accurately over the last few years. And as he said that, it definitely was something that resonated in me and seemed big. That evening, I was on a call with the restored team. And Andy said to me at the end of that call, Grant, will you just stay on for a few minutes afterwards? just want to chat to you about something. And he says, I just feel prompted to ask you, would you consider coming and joining us in San Diego on staff at Restored Uptown? And I just laughed because of those two catalytic moments in the morning and the evening. And that began a journey for Shalavar and I of saying, is this what God is doing? just want to mention for six and a half years, he has asked us to go out there. And for six and a half years, we've said, no, the time's not right. The time's not right. And now it's felt to us that actually the time is right. That prophetic word in the morning, that conversation in the evening, were catalytic for us in convincing us that God is uprooting us to move us and plant us somewhere else. And I have absolutely dreaded this moment for a very long time. I had this sentence in my mind saying, you can't go around this, you have to go through it. But we do believe that's what God is doing with us. And I've dreaded this, not because I'm not excited about the potential of the future, but because I love this church. And I love you. Shell and I um, have been married for 10 years in May. And one of the reasons we put off having August was because we said, this church is our first baby. Big baby. Lots of mess. Messy baby. But we've loved our first child and the role we've played in her so far. And I love you, and I hate the thought of leaving. I hate the thought of sharing this. I hate the thought of any of you being hurt by the fact that God is moving us on. So I've been grieving this moment and dreading today. And I think inside, I have the sense that what scares me the most is that some of you would perceive this as sanctified immigration after the unrest of July and just the craziness of the last few years that we're just going, you know what, the grass is greener on the other side, so we're just, we're going to leave for a job in a first world country rather than be here. That's not what this is. Some people at this time are going to move by faith. Some people at this time are going to move because of fear. For us, we don't believe this is a fearful decision and we're not running from anything. We believe that the best place to be is where God wants you to be. To the best of our knowledge in praying and processing this, praying this through, processing this over the last while, we believe that we're following Jesus and responding to him, not doing our own thing. And we believe that God's will and obeying him is best for us. And if it's what's best for us, it's best for this church too. 
Now, we're not going anywhere now. I'll get, get into the detail in just a bit. Some of you are sitting here saying, okay, cool, if God is moving you on, what's happening with us? Who has God prepared to lead Harbor City if God is moving us on? I know some of you, I'm very sentimental. You can see in my emotion. Some of you here aren't sentimental. You're saying, cool, when, where, how, who's taking it? Let's go, let's do this. Come on, Grant. I believe that Jamie Tennant is the right person, God's person, that he's been preparing to take over this church and lead Harbor City into the next season. To lead Harbor City forward, not just in maintenance mode. To lead this church in rebuilding and replanting after the disruption of the last 20 months. And to take her into the new in a world that has changed and has been crazy over the last while. Church leadership is like a relay race. You know, even if you lead a church for a really long time, eventually you're going to have to hand over. And for us, we've planted this community, led for over eight years. We've run our hardest. We've given it our all. Now we feel like it's time to pass the baton, hand over to the next person who's going to take the baton and run hard as they can for the next season, however long that might be. Jamie and Lisa are full of energy and vision and conviction and excitement for the race that is ahead. Personally, for me, after the last eight years of planting and leading this church and pastoring through the last 20 months has been very hard. I don't have that same level of energy. Shell and I are tired. We're not going because we're tired, but we are tired and we're excited about fresh leaders coming in to take this church forward. I've known Jamie since I was 12 years old. I met him at a youth where we used to play four square together. I remember teasing him about how he loved chess. I remember deep and good conversations back then, over 33 years ago. 23 years ago. <laughs> I'm only 35, 36 in January. I know I look really good too, you'd never believe that. But I've known them since I was 12, and I trust him deeply. I know you don't. I know you guys have seen them in here over the last six and a half months and you don't know them the way that I do, that Shell does, that others in this church do. So I want to tell you a little bit about them, but the reality is over the next while, you will be able to build trust and get to know them and get to know what incredible people they are. Jamie is an experienced pastor and leader. He was in full-time ministry for over a decade, but he hasn't been for the last four years, which means he's really fresh. He's kind of dodged the COVID bullet and he's ready to go. He's another pastor in the front saying, yeah, amen, he gets it. He's led a bunch of different ministries in the past. I've been part of some of them, and they were really good. He started a few businesses. In fact, yesterday was Fountain Pen Day. He started and operates the number one online fountain pen company in the country right here. I'm not trying to sell his product. That would be unethical, but you can check them out online. They had a really good day yesterday. He finishes his master's degree in theology in December. He's smart. He's sharp. He's prophetic, visionary, and passionate great at leadership development and discipleship. He loves Durban. He loves multicultural ministry. He's already connected to a bunch of people in this church. And what's quite cool, because we were on staff together for a long time, he's been part of the story of this church since before it was born. And he found our first venue in 2013 at the Botanic Gardens. That was his idea. He was the one who came up with that and took us there. Lisa, his wife, is also a machine. She's a professional teacher, That's her day job, but she's ministered in a bunch of contexts too. She's an amazing worshiper. She plays the flute and the guitar. 
She loves to mentor and disciple and coach people. Together really, really well. And she's one of the people who I remember years ago starting to ignite an excitement in me to know God personally. Not just know God or know about God, but to know Him. And the way she did that, spent time with Him, built a relationship with Him, inspired me and inspires me to this day. They're a great team. Many of you have known them for years. Some of you have known them for six and a half months. This is your first service tonight. This is a really weird church service to come to for the first time. But maybe God's in it and will surprise you. And you'll, I thought of this for some of you. Some of you who are new to this church don't know the history of Harbor City, but you're on the ground floor of the next story, the next thing God is doing. You weren't part of the past, but you'll be part of the future and shaping that. I spoke to their pastor, Peter Watts, on Friday morning, and he just raved about them and the four years that they've been part of that church. Their church, 3C in Westville, loves them and is really sad to see them go. They cheered this on when it was announced today, but they're sad to see them go. They're just not surprised. And I want to say like Acts chapter 13, 3C is sending Jamie and Lisa to us, believing that the Spirit is moving them here for their good and our good and the good of Durban and the good of the kingdom. It's an Acts 13 moment for them and their church too. Jamie and I are gifted very differently. We're different men. We've got very different personalities but we have a very similar heart and ministry philosophy. A few of our leaders, when they heard this, they said, this makes sense. This makes sense in terms of the transition and the history. Jamie has incredible integrity. There are two men I think of, him and a guy named Mark, when I think of the most integrous people I know. Jamie's integrity is through the roof. I've been led by him and discipled by him myself. And the proof's in the pudding. Come on. (laughs) Some of you got that joke a little bit late, but it's okay. We worked together on staff for 10 years in Redpoint. We were in the office together. We had a lot of fun together. We ministered together. And I've been inspired and excited by his leadership since I was 18. And I feel so excited about the thought of them being the people to take over the leadership of this church from Shell and I and take you guys into the future God has for you. To lead this church into the future God has planned in a very new world after all the changes the world, South Africa and Durban have been through recently. And I think very significantly to me, Shelma, empathic, prophetic, wise wife, has been saying to me for years, when we hand over this church, Jamie's the guy. He's the guy that you'll hand over to. I know that you will be in safe and skillful hands when we go. So what do the next few months look like? Well, in the short term, nothing's going to change. From December, you'll be seeing Jamie and Lise and their girls a lot more in our services. You can get to know them over coffee beforehand, after the service. Um, They'll be up front a bunch. I'm going to interview them. We'll do some fun Q&A so that you just get to know the different sides of them. Uh, Jamie will be hosting a couple of meetings. You can kick the tires a bit. You can feel them out, blind date them a little bit before the transition happens. And then in February next year, we're going to have a Sunday. There's a transition service. We have a few people in. We'll be handing over the leadership to them. And from then, they will lead this church into the future and plans that God has got. We're hoping there won't be any COVID delays, lockdown delays, fourth wave delays. But we might need a little bit of flex there. 
After that, Shell and I are planning to take a well-deserved sabbatical. We're going to take some time off to rest and pray and play and refresh and renew before we go into what we believe. And I say we believe that what is next for us is to play a role on staff at Restored Uptown in San Diego, what we believe. Trust that that is what God is doing. I want to end with this. In Acts 15, 28, it says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That has been my prayer for this moment. That's been my prayer as I shared this with our deacon team, I don't know, a month and a half, two months ago, that there would be a sense that this is right. I really hope you feel sad. I really hope that you feel sad that we will be going and that you love Shell and I and will miss us because we love you deeply and feel very sad about this and will miss you hugely. But my hope is that in the midst of whatever you're feeling, and it might not be sadness, it might be indifference, it might be excitement, it might be shock, it might be fear, it might be faith for what's to come, or maybe a mix of all of them. My hope is that in the midst of those feelings, there's a sense that this is what God is doing. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing, and it's good. I have no idea how that was written in Acts 15, 28. How did they know this feels good to us and the Holy Spirit? But I hope even as some of you leave here tonight, you'd say, Grant, feels good to the Holy Spirit in us. I've asked a few people to come up and share tonight so you're not just hearing from me. I'm going to ask Shell to come up first. You're so lucky you don't wear mascara. I feel like a train wreck up here. Um, hi, everyone. Um, this is obviously a big announcement, and I think, like Grant said, we feel a real mixture of emotions speaking to you tonight. Um, we feel sad, uh, we feel vulnerable, um, but we do feel excited. And we do feel at peace um, that this is what God is calling us into in this next season. And in a sense, it feels um, very surreal to be making this announcement, even though I think if you've been in the church for a while, um, you know that we have spoken about the fact that we have felt like we wouldn't be at Harbour City forever and Durban wouldn't always be home. We might have told you individually, but we've definitely... um, told you as a church but yet it still still feels very surreal to be making um, this announcement and I just wanted to share a little bit of my journey of this process tonight um, just shortly with you and um, it actually started at the beginning of lockdown if you can remember that the real first lockdown Um, and we were having a church at home service you know granted me in August um, very cool And we were preparing for the service and praying and worshiping and, yeah, praying for you as a church. And I just felt God so um, distinctly put in my mind, um, new wine can't go into an old wineskin. And um, I've got to be honest, I don't feel like I get those words from God all the time. I'm not constantly getting downloads from heaven. Um, So it really stuck out to me. And... um, I told Grant and we prayed about it and spoke about it and I thought, okay, does this mean, you know, we're going to get a new venue as a church? Um, 
Does this mean we're going to start an exciting new ministry? Like, what does this mean? And I think um, now looking back, that was actually the start of God preparing us for change and what was to come in the next 20 or so months. And um, as many of you know, at the beginning of 2019, we um, had a baby and we bought our first home. Um, we did that in the same month, moved into a, into a home and had a baby. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, but for, for us, those were big moments. But actually, um, we really felt um, like those were us putting down very real roots in Durban and saying, okay, we don't believe God is moving us on anytime soon. Um, and God has a very dry sense of humor because from the moment we put down those very significant roots, um, we have felt nothing but uprooting and a sense of change in our lives. And um, as Grant has mentioned, Harbor City was our first baby. And um, this church has been our joy. Um, and it's been really hard work, honestly, as babies go. Um, and at the beginning of planting, um, I remember describing um, the process as brutal but beautiful. And that feels very real even tonight as we make this announcement. Um, this church is and has always been so beautiful um, to us and to so many people. Um, and I really do believe that in this next season, more of its beauty will come out. Um, but the thought of leaving you feels brutal. It feels really, really hard. Um, despite the fact we are convinced that this is the right change coming up, um, we're going to miss you terribly. And it is a loss um, that I have and will continue to grieve. <laughs> but I, I do have faith. Oh, is it that bad, Callum? Thanks. Um, <laughs> it's better I don't know. <laughs> cool. We're not videoing this, so that's great. Um, but I do have such faith and hope that as Jamie and Lisa um, take Harbour City forward, um, that there will be new life, there'll be new people meeting Jesus for the first time, some people coming back to Jesus and a new adventure unfolding. Um, and I wanted to just end by reading the scripture that I mentioned at the beginning from Luke 5. It says, no one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If it does, the new wine will burst the skins, sorry, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And um, as I was preparing to speak today, I actually felt that first bit stand out to me um, about trying to put a new patch on an old garment. And I felt, um, you know, we could have just patched up Harbour City and kept going. Um, we could have tried, I don't know, a new gimmick, made some new um, cosmetic changes, but it would have been just putting a new 
trying to put a new patch on an old garment and um, it's so cliche and I, you know, I know everyone's talking about it, but the world has changed so much um, since 2019 and I really have a sense that um, Harbour City needs to be a new garment now. Um, it needs to be a new church for the city, um, for the people of Durban. And I just feel so excited for Harbour City and the future um, for this beautiful community. Um, and yeah, I think, I, you know, in a lot of ways, I wish I was staying for this new season. Um, Jamie and Lise kind of shared their hearts and their vision for Harbour City and their passion. And I was like, oh man, I want to be part of this church. Like, um, so we're excited for you. And um, as much as this feels like a loss to us, we really do believe that this is what God is doing and it is for the best of, of Harbour City. So we love you guys deeply. Can I ask Kel and Heather to come forward? Um, we, we had a deacons meeting about six or eight weeks ago and just shared this with the servant leaders, the guys who lead groups and teams and ministries in the church. And um, I just so appreciated the honesty, the, the support, the encouragement, the love, the, the mixed um, bag of responses and just kindness to us. And we had another meeting that Shell was referencing now about two weeks after that where Jamie and Lise came in and just uh, the deacons got to kick the tires a little bit and spend some time with them and eat a meal and laugh a bit. And then they got to share and we got to ask some questions and hear some answers and just see what came out of them. And it, it really was a special evening. But um, yeah, they, I probably could have asked any of them to have shared, but I do think there were just some things that Kel and Heather shared that particularly stood out to me. So you guys can wrestle over who goes first. I think moments like these are palpable. Um, and I think they, they deserve the sort of due reflection and uh, um, awareness of what the moment is um, and actually seeking what God is doing in, in this church's season and journey and also in us individually. And I think to be really real about that, to ask God, what are you doing and, and what does this mean for me? What role am I playing? And it's been emotional. It's been, I mean, I think like Grant has played such a role in my life and show and um, a lot of my journey is intrinsically sort of wired and connected with this church over the last 10 years. And um, so I think like just Maybe a, 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 for me, an interesting story that came to mind while Shell, while you were sharing, was I was, you know, in a digs for a while, and one of the new guys had recently joined. Um, he came and visited Harbor City for a bit, and he said to me, "He's like, you know, you you Harbor City folk, I can spot you out in the crowd. There's something interesting about you." And um, and I think Shell and Grant, you've you've really forged something of a devotion and a discipleship to Jesus in our DNA. And I think it's palpable. I think people have seen that. Um, and so I, I think I just had a few things that I wanted to say to you guys. Um, your earnest devotion and care and pastoral um, gifts have been so present. <laughs> You've always been so present, and that has been so countercultural. Um, I think as a church, since the beginning, we've always just been in each other's spaces. Um, we've been together, and we've and and um, 
Yeah, I think almost just like that Acts 2 vibe of devoting oneself to the teaching and then being together. Um, <laughs> so thank you for, for taking your spiritual formation so seriously. Um, that's forged a deep sort of current in this church. And um, also just for your obedience and like clinging on to the word throughout every season has been so noticeable. Um, and making it your daily bread. And um, I think lastly, just your love for knowing Jesus and making him known. And that kind of has been our mantra, but it really has shaped a lot about us. Um, but just moving on to you, church, I too love you, Hawks. Um, and um, <laughs> I think... <laughs> no, not at all, not at all, not at all. I, was, I had that in my notes, and I was... <laughs> Um, I think like when I think a little bit of the origin story, you know, some of you may or may not know this, but like Harvest City kind of grew to an extent out of a life group that was started back in the day. Um, Grant was leading it. Sometimes it was hosted at my place. And um, I, got, I got kicked out of my residence, um, and the, we then became known the homeless group. And so from the beginning, there's been this sense of change and, like, dynamicness to this community of Jesus followers. Um, and I remember just a couple of stories, like, um, we, we were, like, hanging out and discussing the Bible in different restaurants, and um, we had baptisms in the ocean, um, where people give their lives to the Lord, and it was always good food, uh, good hosting, and dinner parties has always been a part of the, the DNA of this church. And um, Surrey Mansions, aka Harbor City Res, like, you know, I think there was also just like we lived together and did life together, or, or lots of people. Um, and I remember one story as well, like we were... Um, we were having a life group in a person's home, and the, the hosts were just so welcoming. They kept on giving us food, and it was a bunch of young guys and girls from Varsity. And then, like, the food, kind of, the food kind of finished, and the host, being so generous, like, just started offering us shots, like alcohol shots. I think, like, Grant and Shaw were, like, 25, 23, and we're just, like, trying to figure out, like, what's the leadership doing in this moment? <laughs> and nevertheless, I think our life group grew a lot from that point on. And people were like, this life group is lit. <laughs> Um, <laughs> which was just, yeah, we had, we had some really good moments. And, um, but I think like the, the origin story of this church has been filled with change. It's been filled with a journey that's been led by the Spirit. And I think like when you think of change, like sanctification is change. Dying to self is change. Becoming more like Christ is change. It's a beautiful thing that we see throughout the story of the church. Um, and... I, for one, am really filled with faith for this next season, and I'd encourage your church to ask God for this childlike faith or for what's next um, and to be a part of that. And um, Romans 8 verses 14 to 15 comes to mind. Um, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God, for we have not received a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And just an encouragement, we have been led by the Spirit since the beginning, and the Spirit is still leading us. And, and through this, we receive our identity as sons and daughters of God, and He is in charge, He is King. Um, and I, I believe that um, God has called this church to play an influential role in the city. And I also believe that 
He has called people here now and still to come that will play an inferential role in changing Durban, but first they must change. And this season of change is key, I think, to that. Um, and so I had a little bit of something to say to Jamie and Lise, but they're, they're not here. I, in ending, I'm sorry, I've, I've gone on a little bit, um, but I, I just felt the Lord give me a story, um, almost like a bit of a poem, I don't know what it is, creative writing, this morning. And um, he said to me, <clears throat> I've planted deep seeds and no one knows where. The outcome is mine and the beauty will take your breath away. Each plant adds to the harmony of the ecosystem. Each gardener adds their shape. The garden grows richer. If not in the horizontal, then in the vertical. The roots go deep and the fragrance um, travels far, further than some might think. The garden is dynamic, organically shaping, changing, dying, living, celebrating, crying, pausing, waiting. Seasons of change. It's the garden of a king. The king provides the waters of truth and the atmosphere of grace. He ordains the seasons and the marks they leave, not like scars, but like those of an artist's brush and chisel that forge the material to its whole, its masterpiece. Trust your king, garden. His hands is, in, is all over this. Lord, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for what you're doing in this church, King. Won't you encourage us deeply and place a childlike faith in us, Lord? And, um, yeah, King, we thank you that you are sovereign and that we are your garden and you are our King. In Jesus' name. Hello everyone, I'm Heather, and tonight I'm just going to speak a little bit about how I felt God was preparing me for the news when Grant and Charles spoke to us, and this isn't really my own story, it kind of <laughs> relies a lot on Miles, who when he joined the church a few months ago kept saying to me, but there's big change coming, and I was like, no man, I mean as people have spoken about already this evening, Harbour City has always been a place of change changes in venues, changes in people. If you look at photos back on Facebook of who was in this church um, at the beginning, there are probably not many faces that are the same today. And we could even say the same for pre-COVID and now. Um, there's also been a change in leadership, as well as you guys on the ground. Um, and I think then when we did our, the first sermon and, or life group in the series that we were doing before this, we were kind of reminiscing over what, like, what church was, what Harbour City was like before COVID. We used to sit outside at Glenwood Prep and have coffee for ages afterwards. We used to go to Afros after church. Church was in the morning, not in the evening. <laughs> um, we used to have feast nights. And yet, now things are so different. And in so many ways, I think probably people feel well, I certainly do, feel quite awkward at church sometimes. Um, and so change kind of just seemed like it was natural and almost a little bit like we've been holding on to, the, to what the past was, um, but that we now need to start to look forward and to look at creating new moments and new habits. Um, 
as a church community. So I brushed off what Miles kept saying to me about this big change coming. But anyway, then when Jamie has preached here at church, Miles again, you know, really the sermons resonated with him. And not to say that Grant's a bad preacher, but... Um, <laughs> um, it was just something that stood out more in retrospect, I guess, once Charlotte Grant had, had shared their news. And then thirdly, the, the meeting where, where Shell and Grant shared their news with us. I was in a bad space kind of mentally. I was like, no, I'm not going to the leaders meeting. Again, Miles said to me, no, you need to go. Grant needs you. And then Grant sent a message and said, you need to be there. <laughs> and so through all of that, you know, I didn't, obviously didn't know what was happening, but God, God was preparing my heart for this news, and it was shocking at that point. I think now it feels more sad, and I feel more emotional about it, um, and I think that that's something that you will all, you know, go through your own different journeys of accepting and um, grieving, really, the change that, that is happening, but at the same time, looking forward to a new start, um, or a new journey. We've spoken about seasons, we've spoken about journeys tonight and lots of different analogies. Um, and personally, I don't like change in my own life. I like implementing change. <laughs> um, but I think I'm feeling, and yeah, God was preparing my heart to, to be excited for this next process or the, and the next step. And I'm really really looking forward to it. I think that it will be good to have some fresh legs here, um, but also that this time will allow, or allows Shell and Grant to preserve their legs, to have a break, and then to continue to run when they are in San Diego. Um, one last thing before we end this evening. Uh, I asked my friend Brian Barnes just to come and be here tonight. He uh, leads West Point Church up in Cliff. You've seen him on screen during lockdown. Uh, he's been in the church before lockdown, if you can remember, all the way back there. And I think one of the things I could have done tonight is asked a friend to come in and share something almost to rubber stamp this and say, hey, this is God, this is good, let's move forward. But Brian is our friend and has been a friend of ours for a long time, but he's also incredibly good friends with Jamie. Jamie has preached in their church a bunch over the years and they've become close. And during this process over the last while, as I've kind of processed this with Brian, Brian has said to me, Jamie's the right guy. And as Jamie and Brian have had coffee together, what's happened is Jamie said, Brian, why do you think I'm the right guy? And he said, let me tell you why. And I asked him to come and share tonight because he knows both of us well and I think can actually encourage you, I don't know, from, a, from an outside point of view of why he believes this is a good thing. So why don't you come up, my man? I'm not sure how long your services normally are, but I'm assuming we've got 40 or so minutes left. Okay. Um, thanks for having, or letting me share a little bit, Grant. I, there's so much I could say right now. I'm, I'm at a bit of a loss for words because I would love to take the next 15 minutes to just honor you and Shell and just say from a friend um, to you guys who loves you both uh, deeply that I'm, and Caitlin, my wife, who is not able to be here tonight, uh, we are so unbelievably proud of you two. And it's, I've said it to you publicly and privately, but I'll say it in front of your congregation, that uh, your friendship has been one of the uh, gifts of 
doing ministry for Caitlin and I. And um, you guys have had an incredible pastoral team here in Grant and Michelle. And uh, we just, all of us, are just un- unbelievably proud of you. And um, I want to tell you that this has not been an easy journey for Grant and Michelle. Uh, we've had these chats, um, you know, over the last little while. And there's been tears and there's been questioning and there's been, you know, processing. And this is not something that they've just decided to do because San Diego is a nice place. Um, they, they love you, and they love this church, and they love Durban, and this isn't a let's move because something fun's happening. This is a we really believe God's doing this. And so I, know, I don't know many of you that well, but uh, if my words count in any way, I just want to assure you that they have processed this and prayed about this and sought the Lord and sought counsel, and this is a decision that they have not taken lightly. If you know Grant at all, if you've been around this church for a bit, uh, he loves Ephesians chapter 4, and I actually mock him about this all the time, uh, because the, he's got one message that he preaches, and it's Ephesians chapter 4, and he, and he preached it last week. Have you guys ever heard of a baggy suit, and you're like, wear a baggy suit, and then you want, you've heard that? I don't know if you've heard it. Anyway, go listen online. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's about five versions of it um, over the years. But in Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. uh, I've lost my spot here. So it says this in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So Christ himself gives the local church different giftings in the role of leadership in the church. To do what? To equip the people. So that's all of us, you and me, for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of His Son and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the full, to the, I can't even do this in this version because I'm so distracted by Grant's version of uh, this which comes out of the ESV, which is the stature of the measure of the fullness of Christ. I even know it because I've heard it so many times. But uh, to, uh, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This church has been built on the foundation. I love what you said, Callum, about the fact that this is a, a church that's been built on that we want to make disciples of Jesus. And there is something different about a man or woman who is part of Harbor City Church. It's a, it's a devotion to Christ that sets you apart. And, and, and nothing about that devotion and the foundation of what God's doing amongst you has changed or will change going into the future. That's my conviction. I really believe that God has set this community apart to change Durban, not for a big event or for a big, you know, power wow moment, but actually to raise up a people who are going to be set apart and devoted wholly to Christ. And later on in this passage, it says, so that we would grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head. The head of Harbor City Church, as much as they talk about the fact that Harbor City is uh, their first baby, and, and I love that analogy, but the head of this church is, has been will always be Christ himself. And so this has never been about one leader or an elder or a group of leaders. This has always been about Christ himself and us being fully devoted to him. And and I know that seasons will come and go and leaders will come and go, and this won't be the only change in your future. There will be more. And there will be venue changes and leadership changes and people changes and transitions, but Christ will remain the head of this church. And uh, I want to implore you this evening to keep looking to Jesus through this transition. 
I remember a few months ago where we sat uh, over a cup of coffee and Grant started sharing this uh, news of what God's doing in his heart, and immediately I said to him, I think it's right. As a friend, I wanted to say, this is wrong, and you're making a dumb choice, but because I love him, and that's maybe how some of you feel, but deep in my soul, I knew this was right for the clocks. In fact, Caitlin and I often joke about, like, when are they going to go? And this has been a six-year journey for us. I've traveled with them to the States. I've been with them in a restored. Funny enough, he preached uh, Ephesians chapter 4. But he's got one. It's about Jesus. But, uh, but, and, and I saw there a taste of what I believe is to come for them, which is uh, pastoring in that church. And for me, it just felt like right. And I think God has used Grant and Michelle with their giftings. If I had to put them in a box of pastor to set a firm foundation, as in the gifting, I believe they're incredible pastors who have set a firm foundation of being devoted to Christ. And uh, I love the analogy, and I use it often, of, of uh, the, the Christian walk being like a athletics track. We run the race. And, and, and then you, you run hard and you keep going, but eventually you've got to hand the baton over to the guys running next. And I believe, as much as it pains me, because these are dear, dear friends of mine, that uh, Grant and Michelle have run their race. And, um, and I, I, I said, I think this is right, Grant, I think you're going to do it. And I went home, and I didn't chat to them, I didn't ask about transition plan. I went home, and I said, told Caitlin, and then I said to Caitlin, I know exactly who needs to take over that church. It's Jamie. And I thought, flip, I don't want to tell Grant, because if I ever leave West Point, I want Jamie to take over West Point. You're getting in Jamie, an unbelievable leader, who I believe is the right man to take Harbor City into the next season. A man who is full of faith, full of energy, full of conviction, an unbelievable teacher who loves the scriptures, who's charismatic in his worship. I don't know Lisa that well, but if she plays the flute, I am pumped to come and do worship with the flute. I mean, that's going to be, imagine, bless the Lord of my soul with the flute. I believe you're in... And what's to come is an unbelievable season of God's grace and mercy on you. And as much as the transition is going to hurt, and there's going to be pain and disappointment, maybe some of you are feeling anger, those emotions are fine. I just know that God has you. He has always had you. He's got you now, and He's got your future. And He's going to use this church to be a church that's fully devoted to Christ as the head, not about a man or a woman, and that you will go the long journey of faith, you'll run that race that's set out before you, and that you're going to be incredibly blessed by the ministry of Jamie and Lisa and what's to come in your future. And I think it's going to look different, but I think it's going to look right. It's going to be God's plan. And so when things start to change, oh, this is not the way it's always been, I don't think you need, we're not people who are supposed to step into how it's always been. We've got to step into the new of what God's doing. And... um, yeah, there's so much I could say, but I want to end off. I, I, I want to I just tell you, this is my prayer. I'm going to rewind a little bit. Ephesians chapter 3. This is what Paul says to the church, and I think it's a, a prayer for you guys. He prays this. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he might strengthen you with power through his spirit in your innermost beings, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together. Guys, stay. Some of you might be tempted, well, if they're gone, we're gone. Or I don't know about Jamie. Or 
I'm, I'm just going to say stay. Stick around for the next six months and see what God does in your heart and in this church and through the transition because I really believe deeply that it's going to be beautiful. Together with all the Lord's holy people, you'll be able to grasp how high and how wide and how long and deep is the love of Christ and to know the love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then this is beautiful. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could all ask or imagine, God's going to do amazing things amongst you guys. I really believe that. More than you could ask or imagine. According to his power that is work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I know that you've got a beautiful future ahead of you. It's going to be tough. I'm going to be at the airport crying, praying that Grant turns around. And Michelle, but <laughs> both of them. <laughs> but uh, you're in for a beautiful season. And I just, I don't know if, but I know that Jamie's the right man to take Harbor City into the next, so that you can change the city. Amen. I know tonight's gone a bit longer than normal. We're going to end in two minutes. This is not an in-house evening tonight about Shell and I. This is not about Jamie and Lisa. It's about what God is doing, about Harbor City and the future. Some of you are going to need some time to process, and we can meet up for a coffee. We can talk this through. You're welcome to grab a coffee with Jamie and Lisa, whatever. I want to encourage you to go into this week, because this week could be busy. It could be stressful. You could completely forget about what happens tonight, tomorrow morning, and just go into next Sunday and go, oh, I remember now. I want to create one moment before we leave here to practice Acts 15, 28. I don't know how Luke, the author of Acts, was able to say it felt good to the Holy Spirit and us, but I would love it if that was the sense of what God does here. Maybe I feel sad. Maybe I feel confused. Maybe I feel whatever, but it's good. This is what God is doing. And I want to create a moment not to force you to feel that way. You don't have to. But to bring what is on your mind and heart before God now. And I just want to ask the Spirit to come upon us and do work in us. I love that Heather was saying, actually, He was preparing me before. And if you don't mind just closing your eyes wherever you're sitting. And just bring what is in your mind or your heart before God. If you've got questions, you can bring them before Him. You can bring your questions before the Lord. You can bring your feelings before the Lord. You can bring your uncertainty before the Lord. You can bring your faith before the Lord. You can bring your excitement before Him. I just want to ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and be with us. Lord, I dream that as much as this is hard for Shell and I, hard for others, this means change. My prayer now Lord, is that we would walk forward individually and as a church with you. Jesus, you are the lead pastor of this church. You are our savior, you are our king, you are our everything. We want to follow you. And I pray you would make so clear to each one of us where you are leading, that we would follow. I thank you, Lord. I pray that, Lord, that this would feel good to the Holy Spirit and us, no coercion, but that you would confirm what you were doing and that there would be a faith that comes upon Harbor City, an excitement, a new level of energy, 
for the new, for the future, for what you're doing. We just ask you to do that among us now. Amen. We're not going to go out with worship tonight. We're not going to do anything else. I want to say I love you, Harbor City. Hope you have an amazing week. We will see you all soon.